a Pegasus for the rest of us. It's Amigos, episode 377. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to talk about Pegasus. Mm. Now, when you think about wait. when you think about a Pegasus, yeah. what what comes to mind? Horse wings, whole nine yards. Well, yeah, that's what a Pegasus is. But I'm talking. Well, I mean, what you expect me to say? Oh, yeah, think turtle of a, wearing a hat. I think of a brick. Well, like, but I mean, in what setting do you picture the Pegasus in your mind? Uh, you know, uh, what uh, ancient Greece? Okay. See, I think of like a heavy metal magazine cover of some barely clothed lady riding a Pegasus, wielding some sort of a spear. Yeah. Why? That's what I, I can't explain. Well, I mean, how my that, mind that works. wasn't heavy metal, as I recall. The chick did ride like a Pegasus. That's and probably had a spear. that's probably why it yeah, pops so in really, my head. Really, your head's just sort of plagiarizing the film. <laughs> hey, if you're going to have something stuck in your head, it's not the worst thing you can come that's up with. That's what I'm saying. Except her thing wasn't a Pegasus; it was like a weird li- flying like lizard horse or something. Lizard horse. It wasn't say. like a prop or Pegasus. It was, it was sort of some kind of gimmick. It was like a weird looking. You ever watched the uh, Thunder the Barbarian? Yeah. Ookla run drives this thing. It's not like a horse. It's more like a weird lizardy looking freak horse. That's sort of what the chick rides, except that had wings. You know, I'm glad you brought up Thundar because yeah. I've been meaning to ask you about him for a while. Yeah. Where does he rank among sort of the Conan cartoons of the '70s? Because there were quite well, a few of these. There were. Yeah. Well, you got you got Thundar. Mm-hmm. Then you've got uh, 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 He Man, I guess. That right. Was, it was really more the '80s. Uh, then you've got uh, the uh, the Hanna Barbera crew. That right. Had Gloop and Glee. The, and yeah. That, uh, what was that guy's name? That's why I, I was trying remember. to think. Yeah. Herculoids. Herculoids. Right. So where yeah. do you rank Thundar? Thundar's a, number one with a bullet, brother. He's way up the list. Oh, yes, because the kid from the barbarian kid from Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- yeah, Thundar number one mm. because Thundar acted like a barbarian, right? He dressed like uh, he had the furry vest, right? He looked like uh, uh, T Rex, you know, <laughs> like Mark Bolin. You know, T Rex, the guy, the the saint, the singer. Yeah, he, he, and he. He had the long hair, and also he just did stupid crap that I like. She'd be like, Ariel would be like, now, Thundar, don't you hit that with your sword. He'd be like, Rah! he'd run in a whack, and he'd be like, he'd get electrified, or he'd screw him. You know, that was funny. And he just would get pissed off. Like, that's what a barbarian does. Right. They don't just calmly do crap. They I don't think that. before they act. No. They just run in like an idiot. Yeah. Like, Thundar hated wizards. Like, barbarians traditionally don't yeah. like magic. Yeah. That's cool. That's the way it's supposed to be. You know, he runs around with a big freak and a hot chick. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of crap a barbarian would do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The barbarian don't wear a suit, you know, go to the office. They go run around with a hot chick and they plunder crap and they beat the crap out of people. That's would Thundar like. ride a Pegasus? Oh, yeah. He'd ride the crap out of a Pegasus, but he'd make it more cooler. Like he put, like, the, you know, the horse armor. Like the battle cat armor does on that, him? Does the horse armor really do much? Well, have you ever seen a horse take a direct shot in the face from like a, a club? I think that, I think it's mostly for ranged attacks. Really? Yeah, because I mean, a horse can fall to one arrow. But I mean, can you just? I mean, their legs don't have armor. No, but their legs are hard to hit. They've Ar- also got bone in them. I think the arrows bounce off of. Them. What if you shoot a horse in the butt? Does like armor help? I feel like the butt is kind of it's got extra padding. How At least t- mine does. How? <laughs> You've got a horse? I've got a butt. Oh, I see. Do you ever wear armor on it? <laughs> I don't want to talk about that right now. Now we're getting too personal. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Aaron. Let's talk about this week's Amiga News. Amiga News. All right, Aaron. We start off this week with a, uh, you know, we've been talking about the uh, the sort of aftermath of Amy West for the past couple weeks, and this is <laughs> the aftermath, <laughs> like it was like something exploded at it, <laughs> an explosion of awesome is oh, what yeah, it was. Oh yeah. So this is a walk around Amy West. Yeah. Uh, this is actually shot in 4K oh, HDR, oh, oh, oh. so it's incredibly, incredibly crisp uh, footage yeah. that we're seeing here. Yeah. And uh, Aaron, you know, as, as as we're panning around here, it, it appears to me that this venue is exactly the size of the venue that we will need for next year's boat fest. Oh yeah, as you know, this year's boat fest was a little bit crammed. It was yeah. a little bit. It was a little bit tight. 
uh, we need a bit, a little bit bigger space, but not too much. Yeah. And uh, this looks like the sort of space that we need. We also need all of these computers to show up. At no Fest. kidding, eh? Because they've got like vampires here, and they've mm -hmm. got all kinds of crazy crap. Uh, I like to have that guy's beard right there. You do. Uh, the uh, uh, the this I gotta say, uh, I was very impressed. Mm -hmm. Of course, when you're out in Sacktown, brother, you've got you've got more options for a venue. Yeah. But uh, this looks nice. They had a lot of good stuff here. You know, it looks good, man. I was very impressed with the, with the with the the way this turned out. It's nice that they had a big turnout and stuff for it, which mm -hmm. is cool. It looks good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, and uh, Doug in the chat reminds us because I forgot who actually shot this. Kevin Bryce shot this. So uh, thank you, Kevin, for uh, a walk around Amy West. Very nice, Mr. Bryce. Yes. Oh, uh, I like yeah, it. I like you. it. Now, Aaron, this is the first of two Kickstarter campaigns we're going to be talking oh, about yeah. next week. Not this, the one below it. Oh, sorry, go. I got excited. That's okay. Uh, and this is the Retro Hour book. Uh, that's all right. It's Dan. So, uh, as you know, uh, the Retro Hour, they've been at it uh, almost as long as we have in the yeah. podcasting world. It's like almost the same year. Yeah, when they started. yeah. They yeah. started in 2015, too, I believe. And uh, they, have, uh, they have taken it upon themselves to create a book full of of their uh, hardest-hitting interviews over the years. Yeah. Uh, Dolan Bushnell, Dominic Diamond, Jeff Minter, Trip Hawkins, Ken Williams. I mean, these are the biggest names in the industry, pretty much in video game history. Unless you found a way to uh, develop your necromancy and raise some people that are dead, you're not going to find any bigger names than, uh, than I wouldn't the guys be raising people in the computer business. I'd be doing some, I'd go and get Cleopatra and stuff, something like that. Really? You'd rather ra raise Cleopatra? Well, yeah. Oh, who am I going to talk to? Some, uh, no no offense, but some dead geek or the hottest woman to ever roam the plane. Who do you want to hang out with? <laughs> I don't know. Come on, I'm bro. leaning towards the geek. Get on the trolley. I'm bro. nervous around women. Oh, pfft, you're married. So, Aaron, this is a Kickstarter that's been going on for a couple days now. Uh, I believe that you can get this book uh, if you you can get I think 15 pound is the PDF version, uh, and you can get the uh, you can get the full print version uh, is going to be 30 pounds. Okay, here's a picture of the print. Looks nice. Yeah, right looks real real Very nice. Fancy. They got a logo. This is uh, you know I think the first person to really compile a, a book of interviews like this is probably our our boy Neil over yeah. at RMC. Yeah, did a similar thing with the retro tea breaks and of course his. His uh, Kickstarter did AAA Gangbusters Amazing. Yeah, I got I got one in books myself. Good, I, good read. Yeah, yeah, very, yeah, very good, good. Right now, I have no doubt that this thing is going to make. Uh, it's got 21 days to go, and they've raised uh, all, over half of what they're they're looking for. They're looking for twenty nine thousand dollars, and they've raised nineteen. Oh yeah, so. they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna make it. What do you think? Uh, uh, it's funny when you're here. They are. They're raising money for this book. Mm -hmm. Now most Kickstarters are low. You never know, right? right? But this is like you're buying the book, right? I mean, you're you're guaranteed to copy the book when you that, pay no, the thirty. No, that's not how Kickstarter works. I mean, if it if it hits, it's gone. You are not guaranteed anything ever really? on Kickstarter. That's very important to realize. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. but I mean, you, these guys are soft. Yeah. Now good. I'm not saying that they, if you are on the fence and you don't, you know, the, a book project normally comes to fruition. Right. It's not like a video game or something like that. So, what do you think about selling a book this way? I guess is where I was going. Oh, it's great because what you do is you build your audience through the hype machine, and then yeah. you top it up as much as you need to out the door to make sure it hits. I guess that uh, for me that I'm thinking to myself, okay. You you've you've earmarked these books at thirty bucks a head. A well, they, I, I, in in now, I don't know how how this works. It, it, ideally, the way that Kickstarter works is they use this money to produce the books, so they I haven't see. actually made the books. Right, yet. but I mean, you. I guess what I'm saying is you've got an in, you've got a built-in indication of how many books you need to make. Exactly. Yeah. That, yes. That's the bit. That's, That's not it. a bad gimmick. It's a great gimmick. You go out and 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 print like I don't know. Uh, let's say you made a boat of cars cookbook, right. all right? Which would, God, listen, your wife should be pissed and right that. <laughs> yeah. But you and you print it out, say ten million copies, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you only sold five hundred, right? right. Then you're boned. This is the genius of Kickstarter. That's the genius of it. Yeah. It's funny because I never really thought about it, but yeah, I mean, duh, it doesn't work for video games. I'm sure they'll hit the mark here, mm -hmm. and it does kick people in. Yeah, keep on and they, they, there's a there's a uh, a reel of testimonials. If you yeah, watch you this see video, they got, they got LGR they got, on there. yeah, Kim Justice, 
This guy. Oh, geez. And they got your, this your guy. your favorite? Every time I turn around, it's like a horror. <laughs> Thank God the retro millionaire is on here to make testimonial. Give me a break. He's driving around in his Lexus. Listen, Look at that panoramic I'm on my way to shoot the new Star Wars. <laughs> Taking some time on a busy schedule. Get it out. Good for them, though. Don't let this geek take away the overall glory. Because Dan and Ravi and their partner, whose name I can't ever remember... Dinosaur uh, Pie. And he's been there forever. It's not him. That That's the, the Dinosaur Pie guy. Simon is from uh, the uh, other show. Whole different show. Yeah. That's a whole different retro, retro gaming roundup. Retro gaming works. roundup. Isn't that the... I, uh, listen to this, I listen to retro... Uh, I listen to retro like all the time. They, they do all the interviews. Right. The other show doesn't do all those interviews. They do some. Okay. But they Simon is the guy from the other show. Okay. You're getting okay. confused. Okay. So we move on. This Joe Fox. Good luck, by the way, fellas. Joe Fox, thank you. They, both those guys have been super nice to us. Yes. Yeah. All right, Aaron. Dragon's Lair yes, on the Amiga. Now, I'm sure you watched this video. Oh, are you kidding me? Oh, you better believe I watched. I watched the heck out of it. Uh, because this was something that I was, was near and dear to my heart back in the day. And they're talking about the genius that managed to port Dragon's Lair. And they actually talked about I never knew about the guy that did it. Like, there's just this guy. He's like, yeah, I figured out a way to do this. He took the lace disc, he went to the arcade, he worked out a gimmick, a deal, where he went and took a lace disc and hooked it to his Amiga and dumped the whole thing. Wow. And he was like, yeah, I think we can make this a game. And so they actually end up, uh, they actually got, went into talks. He's like, listen, here's what I can do. And they did it. And that's how the original was done. How they, they talked about how he touched it up and how they made it work and how they compressed the game onto like just a few floppy disks. I mean, if you think about it, it had not been done up to this point, and I was eagerly awaiting uh, the home port of this game because I was such a big fan. Yeah, and so that was—I wasn't sure I needed an Amiga until this. Then I mm -hmm. had to have one. I mean, this would blow anybody away. Yeah, I had to have it, and even though it's not arcade perfect, uh, but uh, uh, if you play the NES version, <laughs> you'll well, know does, just yeah, how does, good it he is. He goes into that. Yeah. And of course, I mean, this has been ported to a bunch of systems, including it just got ported to the GS, uh, which is um, you know, which is great. But I mean, you got to think this is back in the day, right? That someone did this, and this guy is a real genius. It talks about the, the guy, some of the other projects he worked on, uh, and how this all turned out. A great video, I really enjoyed it. I like uh, a lot of the old uh, modern, modern vintage. vintage gaming guy. I think he does a lot of good stuff. So I, I highly recommend that one, Bode. Now, next, Aaron. Oh, here we go. Guess what's back? Se sexy time. That's right, sexy time. When I think about Chris Edwards, I immediately picture a hot girl eating raspberries. That's the way I do it. This is just a, a, a little preview video uh, where uh, it, the new Pi Mega 3 is, is discussed as a trailer shows some of the usage of said item. Uh, listen, I don't have to fill you in on this. It's always gold. I mean, if you don't, if you're using the Pi and you want to have some Amiga action, this is your baby right mm. here. Uh, in fact, I don't know how you could do any better. I don't know how they improve it every year, to be honest with you. But it, it, you know, every year it gets better. I will have to say I've got an SD card exclusively uh, set up just to run this. And occasionally, when I don't use the Mister, I'll pop this in because really this has got tons more stuff than my Mister does. My Mister build does. Uh, but uh, good stuff. If you're interested in just checking out what's coming up uh, in the latest incarnation, uh, this will be your baby. And, of course, Chris leads you through it. The mad genius uh, takes you through, holds your hand. Uh, and, of course, you get plenty of uh, sexy uh, berry eating in the process. I can't help it that he didn't ask me or you to pose for a picture seductively eating berries of some sort. Yeah. And I could be, you know, talk to my agent, Chris. We can work something out, man. Nobody can eat a banana like I oh, can. Oh, man. That's what I've heard. Aaron, next up, we've got the Amiga Art Competition. Oh, man. You know, this thing. I was out of town. I missed this thing, Bo. I caught about the last half hour, 45 minutes of this, and the chat was rocking and rolling. This is one of the biggest events of the year in the Amiga community. Really? Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised. You got Doug, and check this out, Kevin Saunders. Yeah. You see what I did? I remembered his name. Well done. Thank you. Look how, look at Doug. Yeah, Doug is lit up like a Christmas tree. Look at Doug, the background behind Doug and all those monitors yep. and stuff. Yeah, it looks like he's literally transmitting from the seventies. He does, he does. He's he's got the Mission Control headset on. Yeah, too. no kidding. So uh, this is, of course, there are a myriad categories that they go through. Everything from you know ray tracing to drawing to photography. I want to give a special shout out to a friend of the show and amazing Amiga show creator, 
Anthony Jarvis for winning the photography competition with yeah. uh, one of his examples that used the Amiga color wheel. Uh, that that, uh, that was, was from the sh from his show. Yeah, from his show. So, but I mean, this is this whole stream is worth going back and watching. Yeah, uh, just because there are so many awesome, awesome uh, entrants. Uh, it, it just goes to show you that the Amiga was a system by creatives for creatives, and people still continue to be creative. With it's a it. listen. Uh, I watched just the other day, and I I, 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 I recommend everybody watch this if you chance. I watched uh, Pixel Vixen. Sat down and just she was just chatting while she was using a D paint to draw something. Right mm -hmm. now, I no, I'm not normally the kind of guy who would sit down and watch this kind of stuff, but for whatever reason, I sat down and it captivated me to watch somewhat competent somebody sit down and draw in front of me. It was very impressive, uh, and it. But I mean, just I've watched about 20 minutes of this so far. I kind of watched the very beginning of it. Uh, uh, it's amazing that this stuff could be done like this. I mean, mm -hmm. it blows my mind. It's not like you're making art. You're like, well, that looks pretty good for like the '80s. It looks good now. Right. It's great now. Right. Like tunes, good now. Animation, good now. It's all good now. And uh, as usual, Doug uh, has outdone himself this year. Well done, Doug. I yep. know Doug's in the chat. Good job, Doug. Uh, you always uh, one up yourself, my friend. And it looks like it went great. And I did hear a lot of great news from it. I happened to be uh, in the sticks that day. I didn't get to see it. So typical. The one day I leave town, but I will definitely finish catching it up. I recommend it. Now, Aaron, we always hear about these wild demo parties that go on in places like Germany and Poland. Yeah, they're well, wild. Well, guess what? There's one right in our own neighborhood, mm -hmm. sort of. Okay? Demo Splash, Aaron, yeah. is going on uh, Friday, November 18th and Saturday, November 19th, uh, which is today and tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. As we record this, yeah, uh, this is uh, this is going on in Pittsburgh at the Carnegie no Mellon Computer Lab. Yeah, so this is uh, wow. Guess, there's uh, they're going to have a whole room full of, of retro computers, uh, Sharp X sixty eight thousand, etc. Uh, and there's going to be just demos being shown all the time. So uh, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah, and so uh, it looks like they are currently offline. I'm not sure what time they're, they're going to get streaming, started. Yeah. Um, Oh, it looks like they're going to get yeah they're going to get started I guess probably pretty soon. Uh, so uh, you can uh, check that out if you are so inclined. I know I'll probably be checking in a couple times over the weekend just because you hardly ever hear about demo events going on in the United States. You know, I'm looking at the live they've got here. They just have some stuff listed. It says the Sharp X68000, Apple II, Sega Genesis, NES, and but you know I don't see the Amiga listed. <laughs> Surely Listen. they wouldn't if they wouldn't think about having this event. Without the King Dong. We, we know that the Amiga was a non-factor in the but United States. But for demos? States. Listen, people were writing demos in the States on popular machines like the Sharp X68000. Oh, would you... Those were a dime a dozen. Wow, you... Look, <laughs> copy protection on the Fujitsu MF7 and, MF... and FM Towns. They're better... Oh, here it is. Yeah, there okay. you go. There's What's an Amiga. Okay. Because I was going to get the car and drive up to Pittsburgh with a folding steel chair. Start whacking somebody. You don't have a demo in our neighborhood without the Amiga being involved, That's brother. That's true. Aaron, our next story, check this out, okay? Right. This is somewhat tangentially related to the Amiga, but I wanted to include it for a couple reasons. One, it stars friends of the show, the Oliver Twins. We've had them yeah. on the show before. Uh, of course, the creators of Dizzy and lots of other games. Oh, yeah. Well, Masters. mostly Dizzy. Uh, there's a National Video Game Museum, Aaron. I didn't even realize this. There are like six or seven National Video Game Museums in England. It seems like you can't swing a cat to hit three or I four. I know, I know. Okay. And we don't got Jack. This one is in Sheffield. My old stomping grounds. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Now, I remember this neighborhood that this is in. This is over by the co-op. This did not look like this. when I. This used to be kind of a scary part. This is down on the south end of High Street. Yeah. And I didn't like going down there. It was it was frightening. Yeah. Uh, but that it looks, looks like that they it looks me. like they've gentrified the area somewhat, and uh, they've opened this National Video Game Museum. And of course, like all museums, they're desperately in need of money all the time. Yeah. And so, uh, guess what? 
uh, the Oliver Twins decided to donate the proceeds that they made from their Evercade cartridge to the museum. 25,000 pounds, Aaron. I think they did pretty good, Dan. Yeah. That's a pretty now, little cut. I know you're not the biggest fan of the Evercade. I, mean, I don't hate it. It just, you know, it is what it is. But uh, you can't deny the Oliver Twins big, big hearts for donating a big chunk of change to the National Video Game Museum. You know, let me ask you. Uh, uh, yes, I agree. They're very, it's very charitable of the, of the boys. Uh, this uh, these museums you mentioned that there's quite a few of these things. Yeah, I, I don't know how many big time museums there are in the states, the United States, but I mean I don't know. I'm probably twenty or fifty. Who knows? None you know, of like for video games. No, or I mean just, I mean just like museums in museums general. Museums of computer and video okay, game stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, there's there's one in there's some. there's one in you know there's the one in California, yeah. the one in Mountain View. Yeah. There's a national. We have a national video game museum in Texas. Right. Uh, but that's all. Those are the only two that well, I know they've about. They've also got that computer place that uh, Elkhurst Boyle and Canadian Retro Things are talking about that they tour. Yeah, that's that not. I, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would put that. I don't know up what that is. But I think my point is, yeah. we can, we're vaguely naming a couple. Right. And I just watched Kim Justice put a video this week where she toured uh, the meeting, of, and it was representations from all these like computer museums mm-hmm. that brought all these specimens into this like uh, users group or whatever. I thought to myself. If we tried to get specimens sent from, we got nothing. We got nothing. We got, what is going on? And does no one care? Is that what we we're so short minded in America? We don't care about that sort of thing. Well, I think it's it's all the fact. It all comes down to the fact that like almost anywhere in England is three hours from anywhere else. Yeah. And so it's easy so to get around. So you don't think we could put? Uh, we couldn't, we couldn't <clears throat> say call up the mayor and say, "Listen, geek, we need a space for a boats international computer complex." And we need it right now. Maybe I'll try that. You know, yeah. I was talking to him like Probably yesterday. Probably leave out the geek so. part. <laughs> you know, because he's an old retro game. He guy, is. He is. He's a, he's a big Atari computer guy. Here's the so. way I figure it. So we, if we don't get any action, we send paparazzi over. That's right. To smack him around. We kind of have a, we roll with a new crew now that we're involved with BGW and people That's right. Us. That's right. So if we, if we want, we want stuff to get done, I would recommend it. And by the way, I do recommend, if you haven't seen it yet, Kim Justice's new video, uh, is uh, is quite good, Bode. If you have if you haven't seen it yet, it just and it, uh, whether you like Kim Justice or not, you should. But she just tours, and you're seeing stuff like NASCOMs and stuff, stuff me and Brent covered that I've never seen. Still one of my favorite episodes of ARG. Oh, well, thank the NASCOM you. Episode. The, uh, the, the, you see, and this was a, a big industrial NASCOM. They used it for something like in a factory. But all these computers, even Bletchley Park, brought stuff over. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. They, they didn't get any better. They're like, than that. Yeah. yeah. They topped everyone. They brought their computer from like 1943 right, or whatever. Right. Here's like, like the original man, code breaker. You, know, do you, you know? win. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff they get over there. I would love, I would love to go see a computer museum. We've got a radio museum nearby that has a couple computers in it, but it's not even. Closed. I've still never it's been to the thing. radio museum. Well, that's why people need money all the time. Yeah. People like you, Bo. I'm lazy. Speaking of speaking of big money. Speaking of lazy. Uh, our, no, I'm just kidding. So our, our, our next story, Aaron, this is our last story, and this is our most controversial story of the week. So I'm really interested to get your, your thoughts on uh-huh. this, okay? Um, why do you not see it? I don't know, but go ahead and talk about it. I'll Refresh it the page. Yes, boat. There, there it is. Go. Okay. This is controversial? So, Stephen Jones. Oh, here we go. I okay. didn't know about this, yeah? So, Stephen Jones, maker of the, probably most famous for uh, his um, his project called the Checkmate Case. Yeah. Uh, this is a thing that you can house your Amiga 500 in, as well as a Pi, Mr., etc. Yeah. He is in the process of kickstarting a uh, retro-inspired uh, flat panel monitor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's been... I watched the, I mean, probably a 10-hour video felt like where he went over every minute detail. Now, this is a modular system. So when you buy it, you choose what sorts of components you want to, it to come with. Sort of like the Checkmate. Yeah, yeah. very much like the Checkmate. And so <clears throat> you have the option of, you know, uh, you know, of course, your typical composite S-Video, SCART, uh, VGA, etc. But then there's also some more esoteric things, too. Yeah. Uh, this thing has a, uh, it can handle all of the different refresh rates, 15, 30, etc. Um, and it is a 19-inch flat panel display. Now, why is this controversial? Yeah, I was wondering about this too. Well, if you go down here and you start reading through this, it says display panel not included in reward price. Oh, that is controversial. Yeah. And, uh... I don't know if that is, you know, if you have to, if, if that's a separate purchase 
or if that is how that works. I do know this, Aaron. He is charging over 300 US dollars for this monitor. It says here, I'm reading this thing, it says, uh, this is because part of the budget is to enable the search for two other panel options, a lower cost one, and then a default panel. So this is your this is an actual Kickstarter where you're you're not necessarily buying the product. You're you're, you're saying that you believe in it. This is what Kickstarter was sort of right. meant to be. Right. Technically, right. what he's doing here now. With all that said, uh, and I'm sure he goes into this uh, at 300 pounds for a 269 pounds, 319 dollars. Yeah, uh, yeah, 300 buckaroos, 300 plus buckaroos for basically effectively an empty case. Is a that's a tough pill to swallow. Now, <clears throat> Stephen has built up immeasurable goodwill over the years because his checkmate case was a blowaway success. It was very very popular, and so and I certainly wouldn't disparage him. And also, he's a he's a good guy. Uh, with all that said, uh, this is going to take these a special sort of person with uh, a lot of money and faith to send this down the line. I noticed that he's asking for. 250 large, 250,000 Somalian, that's big wad, mm -hmm. but a quarter of a mil mm -hmm. for the lay people. Uh, and he's only raised about 38 large with 20 days to go. Now he's got plenty of time. Yeah. Uh, however, uh, this is not the best time in Europe to try to go, and this is where this is going to be mostly sold. Let's face facts. This is not the best time to try to do a fundraising project in Europe, really anywhere. Times are tough, brother. And so this may be a difficult sell. Uh, like I said, I, I have faith in Stephen because I, the Checkmate was very popular. We know people that have them and really love them, right? And they were also an expensive gimmick. So there's some people out there that are just into his projects. Yes. Uh, with all that said, you know, you know who you are. And if you're interested in backing something like this, uh, and I mean... Another problem with this is going to be, and I didn't watch him talk about this. This video I watched was months ago. Mm -hmm. All right, so, uh, but uh, the uh, I know that buying parts and getting stuff like that is tough. But it's 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 funny to me that they can't get a panel because I see those panels go for. I mean, so I'm assuming, and I remember this was I think this was mentioned due to the way the Amiga and whatnot. You're going to have to have a a panel that has certain frequency. Has mm -hmm. requirements, right. and that's that's the that's, and that's probably the 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 crux of the issue. Now, right. I don't want to sit here and speak for Steven because he knows you know if you want watch the Kickstarter to get the full scoop, I'm just guessing well, that the, that's the problem. Because I mean, we know you can get these flat panels. I well, can go out to get a flat panel monitor for pr practically nothing. But here's the thing: I think that he wants to get a the, he wants a source of new flat panel monitors not some from state surplus oh no i'm talking about you can get a flat panel monitor for pretty cheap but can you buy can you buy them in the quantity that he needs that are that old four by three that's, format that that is i mean that's that's so a, that's one specialized the other thing is that it's got it's got to operate on all the different hertz frequencies that's yeah that i think that's the real that the real business right and there. so and the, the but the thing is the the thing would I possibly pay three hundred dollars for a mega monitor? I know you would. No, <laughs> but zero percent. There would. There's a lot better chance that I would if I could. If I could buy it from a storefront. When you're kind of releasing these funds into the Kickstarter, you are guaranteed nothing. And Stephen, despite all his best efforts, may not be able to source these things. He may run into supply chain issues. It may end up being years. Yeah. Before you actually get, I this mean, look thing. at the ZX Next team. Right, they've been toiling away day and night to try to fulfill that second wave order, and they still haven't done it. Right, it's tough sledding out there, and that's what I, that's what I'm saying. Pushing this right now, tough. Yeah, and he, it's going to be a, an uphill battle. He probably knows that, and I'm sure that, that once, depending on how this plays out, I don't want to hose him. I mean, it may do great. He may hit the mark with no problem, but if it doesn't. By the time he spins it around again, he may have a more uh, retooled and well thought out gimmick to go along with it because it's going to be that's tough sledding. There's right. no doubt about right. that. So we wish Stephen the best, and uh, we'll certainly be paying attention to this Kickstarter as it goes down the line. Absolutely, but Aaron, it's time to talk about our friend Frank at Retro Rewind. Absolutely. So you know Frank is a Commodore fan from way, way back. He's been a member of the Toronto Commodore Computer Club since the 80s. Yes. International television superstar. 
on a on, he was yeah he was <laughs> when you put it like that i hadn't thought about it but yes absolutely uh he has done it all he's seen it all and now he's selling it all <laughs> God, what a pitch man you are, <laughs> If you are in need of anything that has to do with an Amiga or a Commodore computer or even a Tandy Color computer, you can head on over to RetroRewind.ca and pick it up for cheap, brother. Uh, if you want one of those new A600 accelerator cards, you can get one of those. If you need diagnostic ROMs for your Amiga, if you need caps, if you need work done on your Amiga, you can send it to him. He will fix it for you, and he will make it better than new. He'll make it Frank new. That's right. Get right on. And th- listen, don't don't listen to us. We're morons. But amongst Frank's customers are the Luminary Amiga types, hardware types, all your YouTube buddies, your Tin Marks, your Chris Edwards. They're all buddies with him. He takes care of a lot of their business. He sells them parts. Uh, he sells top quality caps. He sells all sorts of interface items if you need to uh, put a, uh, a CF card in your Amiga, if you need... Think slot stuff for your 2000, stuff that we never know, box stuff, too cheap to get into that stuff. Frank's got you covered. Frank is your one-stop shop for all your Commodore and Coco needs. That's right. You can use the promo code AMIGOS10 at checkout and save yourself 10% off the already low prices at Retro Rewind. We thank him for being an official sponsor of the Amigos podcast. Yes, sir. And now, Aaron, without further ado, let's talk Pegasus. The stirring love theme from Pegasus. Beautiful, man. That brings a tear to, to an eye right there, Boaster. You know, I like to ask you this before we get into these games. This one, had you ever heard of or played? Never. Never. I don't know how I missed this one because just this the one name seems, alone. Yeah, yeah. It screams, Aaron, play this. Uh, this, uh, this is a game uh, that came out in 91, published by Gremlin, of all people. That's another reason I'm surprised I hadn't heard of it. Developed by an outfit called Optimus. As an Optimus Prime, stunningly, they did a lot more stuff than I would have anticipated, including some of, they were involved in some of the Dizzy stuff on the Amiga, uh, Meme Machines, and some other stuff, Seymour Goes to Hollywood, some of the stuff I recognize. Of course, Grim one, they were involved in all kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. too much to mention on here. Uh, this game designed by uh, Neil Hill, Adrian Ludley, and Darren Falcus, and coded by Neil Hill. And music by our old buddy uh, Barry Lech. I mean, Barry, we've run into him in a, in a, a more than a few times uh, over the over the times that we've done the show. Uh, I like a lot of his stuff. Lotus he, too. That's all you got to say. He's one of the say. guys that doesn't get Nightbreed, so they're not all winners. <laughs> uh, but uh, he's one of those guys that doesn't get as much daff as he probably should. Yeah, I mean, you got Brimble. I kind of push Brimble to the side. No, I'm a Barry Lech man. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Don't be don't badmouth the master. So. We got to talk about the opening of this game, okay? Now, I know I saw this being discussed in the discourse. I'm just going to kind of get let you jump in here, tell the people about this cinematic, dramatic opening of Pegasus. So what you have is most of the screen. Go- okay, first of all, you've got a very poorly scanned. Uh, it looks like picture of the Pegasus, of the man riding the it Pegasus. There's there's laser beams yeah. firing out and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a rock album, sort of. It's like a bootleg rock album. That's right. Cover. Like yeah. They couldn't afford to print it high depth. Right. And so then you have uh, you, the screen goes blank, and you see kind of a scrolling scroll, if you will, at the bottom. Uh, and uh, you get a, a nice, a nicely animated introduction of your guy. And I'm not going to lie to you. He looks to be of the same ilk as our man Lionheart. I knew you were going to bring Lionheart into this somehow. <laughs> This is like Lionheart's poor relation, basically. <laughs> You're right when you said it's a scrolling scroll. That's exactly what it is. It's a scrolling scroll at the bottom. <laughs> but then it gives you the story in this. And the story is, long story short, Perseus has to go. He has to. He hooks up with his wizard buddy who sets him up. Armor, magic sword, magic horse, whole nine yards. Now, I'll tell you who they did not employ in this game was a copywriter. Because there are eight to ten typos in this, including the fi- the final sentence. Uh, Parasus knew what he had to do. New spelled N E W. That's all. So. Close enough. Yeah. Listen, it's it's like Ed Wood. You know, people just want the big picture. I don't care about those little things. Yeah. Because you're going to go save the whole world from all these end bosses. You got to take care of them. now. 
when we when this game got picked, I never heard of it, and I didn't know what to expect. And so I'd seen little video highlights of it. And the first the videos I saw were mostly like uh, we were like Perseus on the on Pegasus, and it's like a, a side scrolling shooter, mm-hmm. right? And then and so you can imagine my surprise when he uh, dismounts this, and then it becomes a whole different sort of game. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the actual shooting aspects of the game first you you ride the horse the horse i think the horse is well animated it looks cool your guy looks just like a guy on the horse and this thing has um parallax scrolling it's it's got parallax scrolling but it's poorly implemented well i mean it's um, it's low end parallax what, scrolling. what you see is you see clearly delineated you see the three different sections of the screen uh scroll by at different speeds it's sort of like baby's first parallax well i mean I'm, I, 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 this is like you remember talking about Lionheart's low end yes. pal. This yes. is like this is like Lionheart's low end backdrop. Yeah, basically, yep. like if like we can't quite afford Lionheart backdrop, uh, and, but I mean it's not it's not bad. Listen, that's the worst thing about this. The uh, the um, the character a sprite animation. I mean, yeah. people, people go on and on about agony and how great agony yeah. is. And I'll tell you, the it owl the owl looks cool. Yeah. But the enemies in agony blow chunks. Well, okay. The enemies in this game actually look good. They they sort of look like objects, and they they have discrete animations. Um, there's there's a, a certain amount of variety here. Uh, so I would actually put this game several rungs above Agony. Well, it's it's. I think it's more playable than Agony. I will say that. I don't think it's as quite as pretty, but I mean, in, in some ways, it's prettier. I, you know, the graphics of this are weird because they're not bad graphics. Yeah, but they're almost great. But they're not quite good. There's there's a weird <laughs> void where they exist. It's the uncanny valley. It is. Of- and, you know, and the parallax scrolling stuff—it's not the worst. And there's, you know, well, and the different can, levels have different backgrounds. It kind of—it cool it is—it is sort of the worst parallax scrolling. No, oh seen. gosh, we've seen worse than this, I'm sure. Because like, it's either you don't have it at all, or you have it and it looks good. But this has this multiple is, layers. Yeah, you know, that's what parallax scrolling right, is. Right, but I mean, you, this has tons layers. of layers. They're it's got crazy. three layers. Oh, that's that's more than two. That's true. You know, and so. But I thought the shooting part of this was actually well. I thought both parts had their ups and downs. But we'll that. So there's a shooting part, and eventually Perseus lands the old peg. Yeah, he does. Let's the peg eat some grass, have a cold one. Then he hops out on his own to go across these various landscapes. Now, uh, Perseus controls pretty good. I thought uh, you've got your uh, you've got your sword. Uh, you've got your special pickups that you can get. Also, you can get those when you're on the Pegasus. Uh, and he'll he'll come across various creatures that he, as he runs through. What would you equate this running section to? Is this that- is this is very similar to like the first um, Wonder Boy game. It's incredibly incredibly simple. To call it platforming is is sort of doing it a favor. You're basically running across a horizontal landscape in which you have to jump some pits. Uh, it's not a. It's not really. Uh, well, they get into some different aspects. Now, I'm only. I'm only talking about you know the the stages that I saw. I was able to skip around. Yeah. You know, uh, they 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 did make it easy with some various cheats and passwords. Yeah, thank and God, because I I don't know how far you um, can get on your own. But but I will say that I liked having. You know, I'm all about variety yeah. in my games. Give me a variety, and I'll forgive almost anything. Yeah. And being able to get off the horse and get up, put your suit of armor on and go yeah. to town. I thought that was cool. Me too. Yeah. Actually, I was, I was stunned. When, and the thing yeah. is, when you dismount, it's a pretty cool animation yeah. of your yeah. guy getting off. You the see horse. him; he kind of puts the air brakes on, and it goes yeah. down. Yeah. You know, uh, here. So we can both agree that the that the that the graphics are not bad, and the animation on the horse and the guy are good, uh, and the the controls are I thought were pretty tight. Now yeah. let's talk about the things I didn't like. Uh, the enemies in this are. Listen, they're not—they're not the worst enemies where they just randomly do stuff, but they're—they're they're irritating enemies. They're—they're they're very similar, actually. You mentioned Agony; they're sort of maybe a step up from Agony. Yeah, they're—they're they're better animated than Agony, yeah. but they have the same patterns. They have the same t- tendencies, and just—and it's just weird crap. Mm-hmm. And they're also sort of cheap. I thought the hitbox in this was pretty rough too. And you're a big character, so it's easy to get hit. You can mm-hmm. barely get nicked, and you get hit. Thank God but it's not do, an instant yeah, kill. Yeah, you do have a life bar in this Yeah, game. Because, and which is 
that's something they did right. There's also lots of weird pickups. The majority of the pickups are diamonds. I never got enough diamonds to figure out what exactly the diamonds did. You well, know you they can. They. I think that you can. You can use those to power. Like if you hit the space bar, you can turn into like a dual shot. Yeah, and your I, shots go like this. Is that was so. The, and then I've you done also, that, and then but you I didn't also know the get, diamonds were related. I don't know, like because a lot of times you'll pick up stuff. It'll you you know it'll just be there, and they, I don't think they do a very good job of differentiating between the different kinds of power ups. You can tell that they are different, but it, they, I wish they would have made them different colors. Yeah, the, I mean, the the there's tons, and every time you kill. Uh, a a group of enemies or a big enemy, you'll get they'll drop a diamond and it just goes into your collection. And occasionally they'll drop other things. Uh, one of which is like a super nuke, and one of them is like a super weapon. If you you know if you hit the space bar and you do that like you know super weapon, mm -hmm. you can also pull the old hybris. I don't know if you knew this. Well, yeah. Well, if you hold down if you just hold down the fire button, it'll it'll shoot that. Thing right, out. right, right. So it, that gives you a, a, an option that doesn't involve you having to do that. Um, the uh, uh, sound. What do you think of the sound on this? Uh, you know, it's an Amiga the, game. What do you think of the love theme from from Pegasus? That we this played? is a game when you, we talked about every. It seems like every time we review a shooter, this shooters are games that you need to have a soundtrack. Yeah, you've just got to have a soundtrack, and yeah. this game does not have a soundtrack. Yeah, uh, all you get are the their typical Amiga sound effects. I, mean, I thought they were okay. They're okay. Yeah, they're, they're not okay. Bad. They're okay. They're serviceable. I, but I, I would have played this game a lot more if it would have had a pump and tune behind it. Yeah, it is a shame. That, and the thing is, we know they can do it. Yeah. So there's that. Um, what did you think of the ground-based enemies? And because I thought those were real cheap down there. Yeah. They rain stuff from the sky randomly. Junk pops up it's, real quick. It's pretty clear that they developed Pegasus obviously to be a flight first game. Most of, I think most of their energy went into uh, creating the flight based levels. Yeah. Um, and they were like, man, wouldn't it be cool if we put him on the, if we, if we let, uh, what's his name? Perseus? Yeah. Perseus, if we let Perseus run around on the ground. Um, I, I found that the enemies uh, on the ground, like you'll have some enemies that literally they just fly across the screen. You've got enemies that jump right in front of you and then they just stand there and do nothing. Um, I, I thought they, I was not nearly as impressed with the enemies on the ground. Well, I just thought they were just cheap. That's my thing. I hate cheapness in a game. And this has it in spades. I mean, but really both sides of the, of the uh, coin have it. Uh, with all that said, though, you get a lot of gameplay here. I mean, there's tons of levels. There's, a, there's each there's like a set of levels and a boss, and then it changes the environment to a next set of and, levels. And here's and the thing that you never see in a Euro shooter: a yeah. fair difficulty curve. Like I was able to get past the first stage with no problem. I oh, couldn't yeah. believe it. I was shocked out of my oh, mind gosh, that I, I got, got way past, past that. Yeah, I got I got way past it too. Yeah. And the stages gradually got harder as you go. It's yeah. amazing. Well, I mean, I it this is a game that it, with some practice. You could probably be a pretty good hand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I and it's got continues. Yeah, which is nice. Get a certain amount of continues. This game is is not. You know, I'm, you're, we're going to go into the reviews later. This game is not particularly well liked, but to me, as a really? player of yeah, I mean, at least when I looked at Lemon, looked at the reviews on Lemon. Uh, to me, this is a game that is. I mean, to me, it ranks. You know, I, I put this top five in the Amiga shooters that I've is this played. Gonna, is, is this something going to get covered on the boat platforming? No, because this is not. It's not a true platform. Well, but there game. are bits where you actually jump off platforms as you go through, and moving platforms and stuff too. It's sort yeah, of in there. It's sort of in there. I'm trying to wiggle it in. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> I've got enough to cover without this. I, I, this is one of those games. That I feel like we somehow missed out because yeah. this is actually not a bad game. At not all. at all. Not at all. Uh, is it? Uh, I mean, it, I, well, I'm thinking. I mean, I'm thinking of the best shooting games we've played. It's not in that category. Well, okay. What what are the best shooters on the Amiga? So the first one that comes to my mind is Apidia. Okay. Then you've got like the R Type port, which is pretty well, good too. Well, Deluxe Galaga would be. Well, that's in there. I don't count that. That's that's a that's a that's a different sort of shooter. No, I mean it's still a shooter. Though. I'm talking about horizontal. Hybris is I'm talking about there. like I would count Hybris. Galaga is a it's an arcade. Yeah, but I mean Galaga. It's thing. not really. It's called Deluxe Galaga, but it's not all that much like Galaga. But I mean, I would put Hybris in there. Hybris yeah. is is good. But I mean, let's narrow it down to horizontally scrolling shooters. All right, you've got UN Squadron is in there. You've got. Uh, uh, gosh, when you when you ask me to think about stuff, oh that 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 dragon uh, dragon shooter that you can play, that's pretty good. You, it's in there. You got silkworm. Silkworm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this ain't that good. This no, ain't that good. No. But I mean, in some ways, it's it's way more ambitious. And this than a is lot an original ways. property. Project too. X, thank mm -hmm. you, Mitch. Pro mm -hmm. Battle Squadron. 
this is the thing that this does though. I know we kind of poo-pooed it, but the the when you land, it really is a different flavor to the game because it's not all just uh, running across a landscape. Right. There's parts where you go in uh, caverns. Mm -hmm. There's parts where you go in castles. There's parts where you go in fire pits. Yeah, and so that gives you a little something different. And I'm kind of like you. Give me a little something. And what I like is like a lot of these games. They'll tack on like one level. It's like, look, it's a surprise bonus. And level. they'll put it in like level ninety eight. So yeah, you'll you're never, never see getting it. there. Yeah. This one gives you you get to do the other level, and it gives you a little break from mm -hmm. the Pegasus levels. Mm -hmm. And they're not even on the Earth levels. They're still doable. They're beatable. They're fun. The graphics are the graphics are pretty good. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And so it's but it puts you in a weird spot on these because it's like what. A, uh, it, it, there's, uh, it's not got everything it needs to be like a top tier title, mm -hmm. but it's got a lot going for it. the The way that Perseus is is uh, animated when he runs, I will say when you start doing the pretty much after the second level, the the running parts, there's a lot of pinpoint accurate jumping. Uh, well, involved, and, like and there, jumping gaps, and there's no, you don't get a do-over. There's also not a lot of definition between where sort of cliffs yeah. end and begin. That's and true. you can easily find your way just kind of running off the edge of something without realizing. Yeah, and you sometimes you have to actually stand there. Because there's a couple of pits where like, you're like, how do I get across this? Well, something will float down mm -hmm. or something, and, it'll, and you can jump on that. But even I found that jumping on floating platforms and stuff... By the way, we should mention this is up for jump. And so... You know, I'm sure there's a way to. Well, I, I saw. A I had it mapped to the pad. So I saw I, a checkbox yeah. for uh, to in, uh, to enable CD32. Yeah, controls. but I, it didn't for me. I didn't get the extra button. I don't know why. Oh, I, I use the extra button all day long. So uh, it's funny. This is one I played this on the Mister uh, this week. I didn't even have this on my uh, on my Amiga Forever collection. So I didn't have any save states at all. Oh. So I'm like you. I had to sort of cheat. Yeah. Did you have a favorite level as you went through this? Um, I, I played a little. I mean, to be to be honest, you know, there, there's a lot. You know, again, you're not. It's not like each of these levels they're rewriting the book. But yeah. I found the 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 variety to be really good. I yeah. mean, each one really looked different than the one that and came they, before. There's different. There are some different enemies that come mm -hmm. out, which is nice. A big problem is that the enemies are on the screen for such a short amount of time, and a lot of times they move so frantically, yeah. you can't really see what they are. It just like, it looks like a confused mess of pixels. The enemies in this, they remind me of something. They are, they don't, they, they, they're cunningly devised to screw you. Mm -hmm. These are not, so they're that kind of, sort of like a Rygar or something, where they just, they're going to come get you. Some of the enemies, by the way, they range from teeny tiny enemies yeah. in the sky to like big stuff. Right. There's a huge variety. There's Again, like variety. statues, mm -hmm. and there's big like a, a like I don't know wolves or mm -hmm. whatever that come out. They're real cool look. I mean, pretty cool look. Yeah, I they're real yeah. cool, but look pretty good. Yeah, you know, you've got your. I just, I mean, this is not going to reinvent the wheel. You've got your deserty phase. You've got your mountainy phase. You've got your snowy phase. You've got your uh, cityscape. Cityscape, and you've got your fires of hell because mm -hmm. you're you're fighting Satan. Yeah, you're actually. Yeah, we didn't mention that, but yeah. you are. You're fighting Satan. They actually call him a demon named Satan. As yeah. if they just put Satan, you wouldn't know who they were talking about. <laughs> they had to specify <laughs> that Satan was involved. How would this? You know, this came out in '91. I know this is a loaded question. How would this have fared on like in the with the console crowd? Oh, I get okay. Ninety one is the year the Super Nintendo came out. Okay, this would be right at home for on the first year of the Super Nintendo. Really? Absolutely, a hundred percent. That's a non burial. This from you. this would be. I mean, if this came from some you know non, I don't think Nintendo as a publisher would put out a game like this. But there surely there would be tons of Japanese public. I can see a Japanese studio putting this game out, for sure. I'm, st I'm actually surprised to hear you say that, bud, if I'm honest. I thought you were going to bury no, this thing. No, no. Well, good for you, man. Uh, just for the, uh, just as an FYI, I looked. This actually got an Atari ST uh, port, Boat, if you can believe that. The ST uh, didn't fare as well as the Amiga did in the in the uh, backgrounds, apparently. It looks like it's, uh, uh, maybe the backgrounds are still loading, or maybe that's just that one screen. <laughs> doesn't um, look good, I but can tell you that. otherwise, it pretty much, it looks, it doesn't look well, like it, it runs It looks like it's well. running kind of slow. Yeah, so your mileage may vary on the SD version. Maybe one of these days we'll uh, get yeah. around to and it. And of course, it, you never know what kind of machine this was recorded on, etc. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, got a, you got a valid point there, Bo. But still, I mean, and that's the only, so this is really a pretty exclusive title, much like, also much like a Lionheart. Mm -hmm. You're not going to just load this up on your DOS machine. No. This is a this is something you got to play on one of the big two, mm -hmm. and so uh, you could you could do worse. Um, 
I'll look this up on the old uh, on the old Lima to see how we did. This thing, I mean, it is stunningly got a six point one three. Yeah, incredibly folks. low. It, it, I was surprised it got me too. You know that score that bad. I mean, well, not, here's the thing. Okay, look at some of these reviews. Never played this game back in the day. Okay, so obviously there's people here that are that are interview or they're they're reviewing it. In the in the typical lemon way, which means they they look at it for five seconds, they say crap, well, we and they give it two that. stars. I do like this guy. Not a waste of time. That's what a rigging endorsement <laughs> uh, for that. Uh, in the magazines, it didn't fare that much better. If I'm honest, Amiga Action gave it an 85. Amiga Computing gave it an 80. Amiga Format dropped the hammer 61. The Joker, the Joker wasn't having it 64. Amiga Power 69, the average magazine rating, according to Lemon, was a 68. Yeah, I mean... I think this is a, at least a C game. I think this you is know, a B. I'd say a B. Yeah. This but is I mean, one of these times where I flat out disagree with all of those scores. It's strange. What is wrong with us? Why do we? Why do games like this resonate? I mean, is it just because it's so different than what you're used yeah. to? I mean, it, it, well, it does what it sets out to do competently, and it offers you variety, and it offers you a variety of art. I, I mean, mean, you've got to be... It is the... I mean, I will say that. Like I said, the hitbox is a little bit cheap, but I mean, it's not even close to the worst. No. I mean, we've played much worse games, platforming and... Uh, 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 shoot them us, and I think this is somewhere that that uh, makes it kind of fun. Yeah. I was actually, I didn't know how you were going to take this. I'll be honest mm -hmm. with you. I was like, is Bo going to kill this? I liked it. I liked it a I'm lot. I'm so happy because yeah. I was afraid you were going to murder. Now, what did the Discord folks say? Pajaco6502 writes, part shoot em up, part action platformer. There's a good chunk of Castlevania, Ghosts and Goblins, R-Type and Gradius-type action to be had, and the mix makes for an interesting game. I really didn't get what the diamonds were for, and even though the Amiga ah. really had only had one fire button, having to use the keyboard to switch weapons always breaks the flow a little. Graphics are way too brown. Even the C64 is looking at this and going, cut back on the brown. Did ha! You, I love think, it, Pajaco. Did you think that? No, Pajaco. <laughs> uh, I mean, listen, I'm always ready to bury the C64. I know but, you are. Uh, I actually, you know, this... The, is there brown? Yes, but it, it didn't have that purple slime tint that the C64 has. <laughs> so, continuing with Pajaco's review, it says a few little glitches and presentation issues here and that, that really stopped this one from shining, so the whole thing feels more like a high-end PD game. Oh, burial. Man, that is a burial. But ultimately, another one worth checking out for something a little different, 7 out of 10. Uh, Lobsterminator writes, This is not my genre, so when I came across a game where I make good progress, it's always a sign that it's way too easy. <laughs> <laughs> he's been he's been nurtured at the teat of Amiga right That's right, right there. that's right. Pegasus is an enjoyable enough shooter, but lacks professional polish. Everything from the horribly typo-infested intro story to the uninteresting patterns of the enemies just screams half-butted. Uh, the walking stages felt like a, ne a necessary chore to me, and they interrupted the flow of the more entertaining shooty stages. The power-ups were pretty bland at first, but when you got hawks flying by your side, your arsenal started to feel pleasantly satisfying. Yeah. As a non-connoisseur of this genre, I still enjoyed it, even though I acknowledge its flaws, largely thanks to its forgiving difficulty. A game I might fire up in the future. Six out of ten. Wow, so he, he liked it. It sounded like he liked it way more than Machaca, but he gave it a lower right. score. Right. See, you never can tell with people. So <laughs> I would I, I would say this like said I like this is a good B title. It's a sleeper boat. This is a sleeper. It is. It's a real sleeper. Just for fun, I looked this up on the eBay to see what I was going for. So get this boat. A boxed copy of this was sold that was sealed. How'd you, where'd you find that thing at? hundred bucks for a seal. Australia, it looks like. That's where you find the it. The rest of these, you're looking at, they're all with a ballpark. People are asking 58 and 40 and 30, but these have gone for 25 buckaroos. If you if you look around, you might catch one. So there's enough, they must have sold enough of these out there to where they're not super duper duper rare. Mm -hmm. You know, and the, I will say, I like the box art. Yeah. You're right. It's, a, it's, it's super metal, mm -hmm. you know? I think I would have went more in that direction with some cool metal tunes mm -hmm. to play behind you as you're kicking that butt. Right. Especially when the, the some of those with this like fire or this lightning, you want to hear like exactly. Yeah. You know that would have been awesome. Why, why? Yeah. Why can the why can the Amiga not generate a good? Listen, man, listen, I, I can't. I'm, the years we've been doing this show and the fact that we've suffered through so many games and have continual cool music on the cool music machine. Right. 
and the ST is even more confounding. Yeah. They both confound me. And yet occasionally we'll play a ZX game with cool music. Yeah, and, and like, it's better than now all over the place. And the C64, same what you want about the brownness, but there's cool music to beat the band. All over the place. All over the place. Irritating, folks. But yeah, I, I, I liked it. I thought it was a pretty decent little game, my friend. Well, speaking of irritating, Aaron, why don't we go on to see what's been going on on the old YouTube channel this week? <laughs> Just say it like that. <laughs> That's horrible. So, we had a... Wow, it's weird. Oh, wait, that's set up right We've got there. an interesting choice of window Yeah, no on kidding. So we had, a, we had a decent amount of week. Let me see if I can fix it. There we go. We, we also have an OBS issue if you look over here. At the no, thing. it always does that. That's okay. no problem. Okay. Oh, that is weird. Yeah, yeah hold on a second, everybody. Let me fix that. We've had a... You know, what happens, Bo, whenever uh, Windows updates? It's crazy time all the time, unfortunately. So that causes us all sorts of wacky problems. There we go. So... Man... Also, it seems like there's a tornado that just touched down outside. Yeah, we're out in the arcade so. today, and so there's a football game going on, there's a dog running around, and there's a train going by. So this is what you get. <laughs> Amigos to the core. Let's talk about uh, what me and the Brent did this week, which was roguelike games. But Now, you said you watched this. So what did you think of this one? This one was one of my favorites because I love it anytime you do a classic Macintosh yeah. game. Uh, because no, there's not a lot of people that cover the classic Mac scene. Yeah. And also, I love roguelikes. So this was a match made in heaven for me. And you covered a game that I never heard of that I want to play, Telegar. Yeah, so we put Brent. I was giving Brent credit for really going outside the box and picking something for the Mac. Scarab of Raw. Raw, Raw. And then uh, I went the other direction and played the DOS port of the of the original port from a college computer in Purdue of a game called D&D. And this game was called Telengard. This is one of those games, I remember seeing the box for that, and I was like, oh, man. It looks super and awesome. I remember downloading it and being like, oh, man, because <laughs> I wasn't into this stuff. But uh, I did enjoy playing it this week, and, and it, which is good, because you can enjoy it for about the four seconds you're alive. You get a lot of games in you get, for your time. Where you get brutally murdered. Mm. Uh, but we had a good time. Uh, we recorded a little late this week, so if you didn't catch it, it's up now on the channel. Uh, Boat, uh, did, we have, did we release anything... Uh, Oh, yeah, we had the ST show. Yeah. We're afraid to talk about that. Tell them about it, Boat. So on the Atari ST show, we covered a game called Starquake. Starquake was, uh, is an 8-bit, most famously on the 8-bit computers, the ZX Spectrum, the C64, etc., the CPC. This is a game, it's sort of an open-world action-adventure title uh, that somehow found its home on the 16-bit computer. And uh, it, it plays just as well as it did in 1985, which is not what you want in 1988. You know, I went back and I don't, I don't often go back and listen or watch one of our shows. I listened to this on my way to prison the other day. And I, I felt like I came down kind of hard on the XT, on the ST, I should say, and on this game. Uh, but uh, now that I've had time to think about, nah, <laughs> nah, get this out of here. Yeah. Bring on the good stuff. This is a ZX Spectre game for like '83 or something. Too far in. We need to bet. We need something a little bit more. Yeah. Interesting. So if you if you are not a frequent listener to the Atari ST show, uh, the, the times are changing, and we are moving away from the uh, ST game that did not get an Amiga release uh, thing. And we're moving. We're opening it up to everything. All bets are off. And so, so uh, the, the 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 game should start to uh, ramp up in awesomeness. Well, uh, we can hope because we can we've hope. we've had some uh, we've had some real duds. It's been really up and down. Oh, it's sort of like every show that we do. Well, that's true. You're not wrong there. Now think about it. Uh, over on the Amigo stream team, we just have one this uh, week that's been released. This is our good buddy, the Blackstone, yeah. Jack Black. Who played a little bit of Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Trilogy, Mortal Kombat 3, and then he really topped it off by playing some god awful Mortal Kombat 4. Now, you've talked several times about Mortal Kombat 4. Yeah. I've never played or seen Mortal Kombat 4. What was it about it that made it so much worse than Well, 3? it was in 3D. Okay. And it was in that sort of. Uh, it's when you take a great 2D game and you smudge it violently in the 3D. Some games don't make that. I mean, look, uh, Capcom tried to do it with Street Fighter, mm -hmm. and they weren't that successful, and mm -hmm. Mortal Kombat wasn't either. And I was telling Brent, you know, we did a show a couple weeks ago one uh, where we did Carnival, and to put it in perspective, Mortal Kombat 2, one of the highest-selling games of all time in the arcade, a huge seller, and Mortal Kombat 4 sold less cabinets than Carnival. That's how far the series fell, in two games, it was a this was a not well received 
uh, game, and it was equally not well received on all the ports that got it home. It was just a dud, dud game. Mortal Kombat never was a good transition into the, into the realm of the 3D fighter. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you compare it to something like a Tekken or a Virtual Fighter that was that was born was and born bred 3D, to be yeah. in 3D, uh, this one uh, does not uh, do the job. It, well, I mean, it did the job all right. It did the job of stinking. And Flack, of course, is hilarious as always. Uh, always entertaining. And by the way, uh, if you're a Jack Flack fan, I, I highly recommend you pick up his new podcast uh, where he talks about running the concession stand. I have not listened to that, but I plan to we, this week. We've all been there. Yeah. I've ran it myself back in the day. Uh, but uh, I never really ran it, but I've worked at many concession stands. Listen, stand. Rob's uh, show, and this is, you don't know Flack, if you haven't added this to your uh, podcast catcher, uh, he, he gets in a little nefarity. I mean, there's some Statue of Limitations type stuff in this, in this particular tale. I found it amusing. All right, Aaron. What are we going to play next week? Let's find Amigos. out, folks. Who knows? Oh, man, we're going to play the Odyssey 2? That's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, completing our set of games that have the word Odyssey in the title. <laughs> yes. This we, is just Odyssey, Yeah, this right? is just old Odyssey. It's platformer week on Amigos. So join us as we take a look at Odyssey. This was nominated to the Game Selection Committee by none other than Graham WWP. The W. The W. So we leave you this week with the haunting love theme from Pegasus. And a big thank you to all of our patrons and Twitch subscribers. If you want to join the team, patreon.com slash Amigos Podcasts. You get access to our Discord server. You get a nice magnet and Christmas card at the end of the year. It's a good time. And plus, you're helping out this guy. So, I will see you next week. We'll see you next week. And until then, <laughs> adios. adios.